Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The following podcast contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, November 30th, the Grandpa Rules edition. I'm Gabriel Roth, an editor at Slate Magazine and the father of Leo, who is three, and Eliza, who is now, as of this week's episode, seven years old. Wow. Can you believe it? Where does the time go? Et cetera, et cetera. I'm Rebecca Lavoy. I'm a journalist and podcaster in New Hampshire, and I'm mom to Henry, who is 16, Teddy, who is 14, and my stepdaughter, Lily, who is 17. And I am Carvel Wallace, a writer and podcaster in Oakland, California. And I am the father to Georgia, who is 12, and Ezra, who is 14. Today on our show, we have a question from a listener who's worried about raising sons in a culture suffused with toxic masculinity. And another who cannot get her son's grandfather to stop spoiling him. Plus, as always... We'll have triumphs and fails. We'll have recommendations. And on Slate Plus this week, uh, Rebecca is going to extend our discussion of grandparental prerogative into the realm of step parenting. How do your parents treat their step grandchildren? And uh, how do you manage that relationship? Um, we'll ho- hear all that in our Slate Plus segment. Uh, but first, time now for triumphs and fails. Carvel, do you have a triumph or a fail? I have a triumph. Um, Both my kids are doing great, which is something that I just feel like I should say (laughs) because they really are. And I'm really impressed with both of them. And there's also a lot of transitions happening in terms of just everyone's getting older. You know, it's at that phase where every day you can see that everyone is getting one step closer to adulthood and independence. And um, it's kind of wonderful. So um, the latest iteration of that is that Joe started a new job this first week. This week, Monday was her first day. She's very excited about it because it's within walking distance of where she lives. She can now walk from her house around the lake to her job. Then at the end of the day, she can walk from her job around the lake back to her house, and it's beautiful. And she's been nervous about it because before she was working for a company based on the East Coast, and so she was working at home, which meant that she had a lot more flexibility, but then that the kids were also expecting more from her. So, like, if someone wanted, you know, they'd get out of school, and, Mom, can you come pick me up? Well, I'm working. No, Ma, come on, please, it's raining, or it's hot, or it's whatever. So then Joe would sort of pick them up, kind of, but be a little bit resentful about it. It just was like they were always kind of in the mix, you know? And so in prepping for this new situation, Joe was like, look, I'm leaving the house at, you know, whatever time, eight in the morning, you're not going to see me until six. Anything you need to do between eight and six, you're going to have to deal with on your own. You know how to catch the bus. We've been prepping for this. Your dad is vaguely available, which is, I'm actually way more available, but I don't want them to know that. (laughs) So as far as we're concerned, they're on their own and they're fine. So Monday comes, there's all this prep. Joe has sat everyone in the family down and talked to everyone like four different times about how it's going to be new eras, a new sheriff in town, you're on your own, fine. So first day comes, Monday, kids get in the car, take them to school. Ezra then calls me as school lets out at about, he gets out of school early on Mondays. They have half days once a week, which is really annoying. So like 1230, I get this phone call. He's like, Dad. It's Ezra. I'm like, what's up? He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm working. He's like, okay, um, okay. And I'm like, where is this going? <laughs> He's like, um, so like, Dad, um, are you close to your car right now? I'm like, I mean, I'm, I'm at work. Like, what do you want? He's like, I think I left my keys in the car. I think I left my house key in the car. I was like, all right, well, let me go check. So I go to the thing. I go to the car, open it up. Sure, sure, sure enough, he's left his house key in the car. He's like, I just got all the way home. I walked home. It's like 20 minutes and I can't get in. So I'm like, well, that sounds rough. He's like, so can you, <laughs> I mean, I, can you, you know, and I was like, do you want me to come and let you in the house? He's like, I mean, can you? I was like, no, I can't. I'm at work. Sorry, I can't do that. He's like, okay, but why not? I'm like, I'm working. I'm not going to like get in the car, drive over to where you are, let you in. You forgot your key. It's a beautiful day. You're like a block from the lake. Go sit on the grass, do your homework, you know, go to a cafe get some hot chocolate like you'll survive i was like i don't know what your sister's not going to be out of school for a few hours but you can text her when she gets home she can let you in 
And he was like disappointed, but I also was pretty clear, like, I'm not going to do it. You just have to wait on the porch. You're just going to have to wait. You know, it's California, just like 70 degrees. Like you're going to be okay. But uh, he texted me like a half hour later, dad, are you sure you can't come? It's like, no, text your sister, ask her when she gets out. She's not even out of school yet, dad. I'm like, I know, just leave her. She doesn't even have her phone in school. I'm like, just leave her a message. She'll text you when she gets out. You have to wait. And then, uh, and then he texts his mom and his mom's like, I'm busy on my first day of work. Leave me alone. <laughs> he texts me again, but no one's moving. This kid has to just sit and wait for hours. You know, he has to walk around Oakland. He has to just live his life while he waits for us. Eventually, he decided to walk all the way over to Joe's work, get the key for her, and walk all the way home, which is a way of passing time, which is fine. It didn't. Joe didn't have to leave work. I didn't have to leave work. No one had to do anything differently than they could. We let him figure it out himself. He's someone who likes to continue to push boundaries until he gets what he wants from his parents. He really believes in that. And I think that in order to parent him, <laughs> you have to set things in stone and then never waver from them. And sometimes we're not as good at doing it as we should be. And this day we were really good at it. He basically chilled for three hours waiting, you know, for his for it to be like taken care of. And he couldn't do anything about it. And we got through that and it was fine. So I feel like that was a victory for us as a family. Definite victory. It, Huge. It, it reminds me, like when I was a kid, you know, I would forget my keys constantly. Like I'm sure I was in that situation many times. We didn't, this was in the time when people weren't carrying little telephones around with them. And so there would often be no way for me to get in touch with people. And I would have to either walk to the work or wait around for a few hours or whatever. I think of that, it hasn't happened in like a decade. And I think of that in retrospect as just an incredibly precious and valuable set of experiences, like those little moments outside of time, outside of your schedule, when you're just kind of drifting aimlessly and waiting for time mm. to pass. And like, I would love to have two hours to walk around a lake and go get some keys or something like that. That sounds great. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah. I bet later he will look back on that afternoon with a great deal of nostalgia. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I think that's right. And I try to get him to do stuff like that a lot. And he's generally resistant. But I know that that's the way he is. He's a, he's like a thinker, you know. And so stuff like that, he does love that stuff. He just doesn't like – he needs everything to be set. He wants to set the terms for everything. He cannot stand if an external f factor or experience sets the terms for him. But once he gets over that, then he actually has a tremendous capacity to enjoy life on life's terms. It's nice. It's a triumph for hmm. everybody. It is. Uh, Rebecca, triumph or fail? Well, I will say that um, because I don't live in California, we bought one of those like um, locks for our door with the keypad thing. Yeah. So there's a code right. to get in. Right. <laughs> so that's always right. a workaround too if this becomes <laughs> yeah. a real problem. Yeah. Because in New Hampshire, like you can't depend on a kid being able to sit outside for two hours by themselves. They might freeze to yes. death. That might right. be actually that's a right. thing. <laughs> right. that, that would not be a, a precious experience that they would remember fondly. <laughs> that would be bad for everybody. Well, I just want to like pile on a little bit to what you said. I mean, my triumph is not super specific like yours. It's just that my kids are doing so, so well. And this happens to be like a really, really good week. Uh, my stepdaughter, Lily, um, got into and chose the college that she wants to go to next year, which is very exciting. Wow. Nice. She's nice. very nice. like vocationally minded. She knows she wants to be a teacher. She picked a program. She like did the rubric of like cost versus her future salary. And she chose a school that she was excited about, applied early decision, got in, she's going. Uh, we're buying her a mini fridge for Christmas. She doesn't know that. So if you listen to this podcast and you know her, don't tell her. Uh, and so, and then my son Henry is being inducted tonight into the National Honor Society, which is like unbelievable <gasps> to me. He's wow, taking whoa. four AP classes. He's got all A's. He's getting into the National Honor Society. And, um, you know, unlike kids who like to push boundaries and, and to get stuff from us, he never asks for anything. And as a result, I just throw things at him that <laughs> he didn't ask for. Like, he's playing that game from the other angle. Like, we were talking yeah. last night about what the kids wanted um, for Christmas and – you know, he's like, I don't really need anything. And I was like, yeah, but, you know, we got to get you something to open, blah, blah. And then I was like, wait a minute. you I've bought you so many damn things this year. And it's in large part because he's 
he's he's doing it the other way. So I, it's almost like you can't win. <laughs> you, know, you have kids either who beg for things all the time. Teddy is that way. Or kids who never ask for anything and then are super self-sufficient or whatever. And you find yourself overcompensating and b- trying to buy their love by, by throwing mm-hmm. things at them. <laughs> but anyway, my, my triumph this week is I'm just really, really proud of all three kids. Teddy just started his second quarter off. Great. We just got his first like look at his grades. He's doing really great. Um, Teddy Henry's going to National Honor Society and Lily is... Uh, officially college bound, which is very, very exciting oh, for our family. That is amazing. I love yeah, that. Yeah, it's something. Congratulations. Yeah, that's awesome. This um, this sucks because I I also have a triumph, and my kids are also doing great. And everybody's going to uh, hate this podcast. I hate when that happens. Yeah, no, I, you know who really hates when that happens is our podcast <laughs> listeners uh, because <laughs> we're going we're to get a ton of comments that are like, "I listen to this show for raw honesty about the challenges and failures of parenthood," and and frankly, fair enough. Who wants to listen to three smug assholes spread out across the, the country sanctimonious talking pricks. talking about how great their kids are doing? Um, it's a good week. Yeah, we get, we're allowed sorry, a good week. All whatever. The same sorry, time. we're having a good week sorry guys um next week i will do my best to fuck up royally but and last week you may remember i did something really but both stupid and banal i didn't even have entertainment value but it was a stupid failure but this week um things are great um like i said eliza had her seventh birthday and she is um you know seven man it's uh, you become a different person on your seventh birthday it turns out and she started asking incredibly mature and perceptive questions about things like um mental health and the penal system and stuff like that what happens if you're seven and you commit a crime and and mm. what happens to like are there jails for kids and it might the only it would be bad to go to jail because you can't read books and I told her that I would send her books in jail and and <laughs> but that there were many other things that, that she wouldn't want to do. I love that that's your response to that. Don't worry. When you're incarcerated yeah. I got you. Yeah, I'll I mean, put money in the that, that's what I said. I said one of the few things that would probably be okay about jail is that you would have some time to read, probably more time than you have now. On the other hand, I said there are many, many other downsides about jail, and you probably mm. don't want to go there. But reading is not the reason that you don't want to go to jail. We put money in her account so that she can buy stuff at the, at the commissary. <laughs> commissary? A- absolutely. <laughs> all, the, all the cigarettes, all the razors, all, anything she needs to engage in whatever kind of barter system or, or underground. <laughs> economy they have going on in whatever jail she gets into. I, I am very happy to, I mean, that would itself be, I think, a parenting triumph in a way, um, would be my filling up and replenishing her commissary account and, and shipping her some uh, YA fantasy novels from Amazon. Um, the real triumph, though, is that this morning we got into one about um, mental health. She had overheard her mom and a friend talking about somebody who, you know, has mental illness, and they were talking about that, and she had overheard it. And um, she said, what What does that mean? What's that about? And um, I historically, I get super uptight about explaining like difficult, complicated things to her. I'm like, oh, we got to explain this to her in a way that she can understand and it's not going to be confusing and traumatizing for her. And we got to shield her from the really harsh stuff and like that. Um, but my wife was explaining it to her in a very straightforward and calm and a, I think age appropriate way that she could understand, but that didn't shy away from like the real pain and difficulty and in sort of ubiquity of, of mental illness and, and, uh, mental health problems. Um, and I sort of contributed a little bit and, but I wasn't like struggling to steer the conversation in a way that is like more safe and sanitized. And, um, that maybe shouldn't be a triumph, but for me, it felt like a triumph. So that is my triumph of today. Um, and those are our three triumphs. We apologize. And next week, uh, we will endeavor to bring you some some fails, the failure that you crave from our show. So help me God if we don't destroy yeah. our kids next week. All right. Guys, you, you, your assignment is is to really injure or traumatize your children over, over the course of the next week um, in I'll a humiliating way, in a way that's humiliating for everyone. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. Time now to do the business. Uh, the holidays are coming up. Uh, if you have any holiday-themed parenting questions, um, 
call us with them or send them to us, and we may be able to use them on an upcoming special holiday-themed Jingle Bells slash Hanukkah slash Kwanzaa slash Diwali slash Ramadan-themed Mom and Dad are Fighting. Uh, If you have a question, leave us a message at 424-255-7833 or email us at momanddad at slate.com. Um, I would also like to let you know about another great Slate podcast. This week, it's our brand new podcast about technology, society, and power. It's called If Then. Every week, Slate technology writers April Glazer and Will Oremus take you on a tour of the tech news that matters, from the fake news in your Facebook feed to the algorithms that want your job to the Uber drivers who want benefits. Uh, They talk to key figures from the technology industry, the smartest academics, the top tech journalists. This is not just a show about gadgets and gizmos. This is a show about the technology that shapes our world, our media, and the ideas, ideologies, incentives, and biases that underlie it. It's a really smart approach to technology podcasting, check it out. It's called If Then. You can find it on the Apple Podcasts store or wherever you get your podcasts. In Slate Plus today, as I mentioned, we're going to be uh, talking more about grandparents and step-parents. We'll be going into some of Rebecca Lavoie's family situation. Uh, as regular Slate Plus members know, if you want the real dirt uh, on what goes on up there in New Hampshire, you have to join <laughs> Slate Plus. Uh, to hear that segment and uh, other segments every week on this and other Slate shows, sign up for Slate Plus. For just $35 for your first year, you can help cover the cost of making this show. And in return, you get extended ad-free versions of this show and other great Slate podcasts and a lot of other great stuff too. If you would like to support Mom and Dad are Fighting, go to slate.com slash plus and join Slate Plus today. Okay, time for our first question. We got this question by email. It's being read for us by Browbeat assistant Rachel Withers. Feminist mom of boys is losing her cool. I have two sons aged three and seven, and I feel like everywhere I look, there is this boy culture being foisted onto them, and there are subtle and not-so-subtle messages of male dominance and misogyny. With all the very grown-up conversations finally happening about sexual assault, I feel so strongly that there is an opportunity for us to teach our kids to treat each other differently. But it would have to be a pretty radical shift, and we just aren't there. I'm there, I'm so on board, and I don't always know how to raise sons in confrontation with such powerful cultural forces. I also don't want to become the mum that ruins all the fun all the time. I don't want to seem like the fellow parent judging other parents for what they choose to do with their families. But the truth is, I do judge, and I also wish. I wish we could all just make a deal that we won't let our boys play video games that consist of shooting other people. Yes, I judge. I think it's messed up. It might not actually make them shoot other people, but it's not exactly teaching any of the values that we do want to teach them. Ones that might help them relate to people in the world in a good way. But now, because I'm not going to let my kids play those games, am I relegating them to being socially ostracised from their peers? So many of the comics and stories targeted to my kids have no female characters. What is up with that? How are boys supposed to learn to respect women's words and feelings and bodies if they don't even learn to empathise, admire and identify with them through stories? Sometimes when I hear all these awful stories in the news or from my friends and family about sexual assault, I get so heartbroken, and the only ray of hope I see is the beautiful, compassionate spirit of my own kids. I see that they don't want to be predators. They want to be loving and kind and gentle. And then I see this sick, fucked-up culture that wants to change the script on them and punish that gentleness and reward all the traits that are causing so much pain in our world for women and men. And it's not some big, mean, evil, and obvious villain that is doing it. It's a million little games, toys, movies, and attitudes that each on their own are so normalized, I feel like a freak for always resisting. But together, it's a fucking monster. What can we do? I've been thinking about this a lot. You know, we received this question in an email, and it came in on a day where I had just had a really difficult conversation with a male friend of mine. Uh, We were having dinner with another family that we hang out with a lot, and I'm really good friends with both people in the couple. And I'd been for a walk with both of them this morning, and the conversation kind of went from the morning walk to the evening. And we were talking about the culture and what's happening now with um, allegations of sexual assault and all of this stuff kind of swirling around. And this feels like the moment for these conversations to happen. And he said something that I then spent the entire day thinking about. And then this is why the conversation picked up again that night was he was said and was comfortable saying 
that there is something in boys and men that is inherently predatory is basically what he said. It was much more complicated than that. But he talked about throughout time, you know, and it involved words like pillaging and plundering and, you know, and, and always trying to, you know, raise boys and thinking about boys and teaching them to contain, you know, these inherent genetic differences they have that make them have these urges or whatever. And we're on this walk and I'm like, I don't agree. I know I don't agree. Um, and I kept trying to think of ways to, to, to sort of talk about it and get around it. And in this conversation, he was bringing up things like video games and toy guns and cultural stuff and being exposed to stuff. And I really feel strongly, and this is what I said in the second half of the conversation. And by the way, this was like a really interesting conversation. It wasn't as black and white as I'm making it sound. I'm just giving you the salient points that relate to my thinking on this. Um, I, I was thinking a lot about, the, you know, those those trappings, the video games, the entertainment, the toys. And I think for me, it's really important to draw a line between those trappings and the, the values that I've taught my kids around sexism and misogyny specifically and, you know, equality and treating people a certain way. You know, my older son, Henry, is, he will say, if he were in, on the line right now, a proud feminist. He's a, he's such a proud feminist that he's written essays in which he's called himself a proud feminist. And when one of his friends joked, oh, hey, you can pick up a lot of girls by saying you're a proud feminist, he snapped back, or I could just believe in it and be a proud feminist. And um, Henry also plays first-person shooter video games on the Xbox with his friends. And it, to me... Maybe a piece of the puzzle culturally, but it, I think when you look at little human beings, you can continue to teach the values and not freak out when they pick up a stick in the yard and make a gun out of it. I mean, that's not necessarily going to lead them down a path of misogyny and, and sexual exploitation. Um, but the other thing that this conversation made me think about was the cultural conversation and how comfortable my friend was, who is, by the way, really well-educated really liberal, really cool guy in talking about men having to walk around the, the world, all men, he says, like suppressing these like violent misogynistic urges. And I just thought um, maybe that's because that's what you think they're doing. Maybe that's because that is the inherent message that you are thinking about as a parent and and sending. I mean, to me, that is the to toxic masculinity. It's not whether or not there is an urge. It's the fact that we are living in a world where we sort of accept like men are this way and we just have to figure out how to teach men how to behave. What if we just stop talking about how boys and girls are different? You know, boys are this, boys are, they see a girl, they are distracted by her tank top. So therefore it's the girls who must change the way they dress when they go to school. That whole conversation, the sexism around it for me isn't that the, it is that the girls have to make the change, but it's also the inherent assumption that's being made about the boys, which I think is a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I don't know, to me, that's what we can do, is we can no longer accept what adults are saying about what's natural about boys and girls. And maybe if we change that conversation, then with our kids who've grown up in that conversation where, you know, boys and girls aren't different, you know, girls can also be aggressive and violent and boys can also be um, all kinds of things. There's a whole spectrum of humanity out there. Maybe that is the beginning of the change rather than, you know, blowing up all these toys that, you know, for a lot of kids who are really, really wonderful, gentle kids also happen to be really great toys. I don't know that that's what I spent on my mind this week around this whole conversation. There's wow. There's so much. I mean, I, OK, so to answer the question posed in the letter, I, I also found it incredibly frustrating to feel like you're parenting uphill that you have these children who you sort of believe in and see uh, unfolding in a certain way. And then the world seems to be just no end to the amount of bullshit. And, and the reality is we've talked about this in other episodes, you know, there's no more frustrating task as the parent of young children than the task of trying to keep the world out of your child's purview. It like 
just can't happen. It just doesn't happen. And or if it does happen, the amount of intensity and extreme extremity extremeness that you need. I don't know what the noun form of that is for some reason today. Um, the the needs the amount of that that you need in order to effectively keep all of the context and subtext and pretext of misogyny and racism and shittiness and capitalism and greediness from the world of the world from seeping into your household is so great. It requires you to, to disassociate, to relocate from the entire thing, which some people do. And I think that's actually, I think there's, there's something to that. It's not a decision we made to do. We made the decision that we were going to live in society as it currently exists, the one that we have. And so that means that our goal is to um, constantly counter program and hope that our kids can put it all together. And I don't know if that's the right choice, if I'm being 100% honest. It's just the one that we've made. And that really is, I don't think anything sums up parenting more than that sentence. Like, I don't know if it's the right choice, but it's the one that we've made because every parenting decision is like that. So with our kids, I mean, we, there, we just, to me, my assumption is that if I were to do nothing, if I were to never mention anything to my kids about about the, the, the crazy, complex, and systemic and specific ways in which women in this society are treated as less valuable, less human than men. If I never mentioned that, then they would inherit like a lot of misogyny. <laughs> That's the default position of this society is that they're going to inherit misogyny. That is the default. And so if I were to say nothing and just sort of be a nice guy, that wouldn't be enough because they're still starting – under zero, because that's where this society is. It's under zero. And so I have to fill in that hole and also build some things on top of it. So this conversation is a lot in our house. And we talk about it a lot and we try to demonstrate it a lot. And we, it, it, we, I, we've talked about this a little bit. Like Joe talks about it. I talk about it. Georgia talks about it. Ezra talks about it. I let Joe talk about it to Georgia. I let Ezra talk about it to Joe. I let Joe, everyone is, it's always there. We talk about it when we watch videos. We talk about it when we process media. He has questions about it. We come back. I, you know, with it's everything. It's, it's like a really big part because it takes that much just to counteract the default position of our society, which as I said, is less than zero. So that's what I think about parenting. <clears throat> I think that it's hard to keep it out. I think that you have to counter-program, and I think that's just the way it is unless you decide to move into a cabin in the woods. And even then, who knows? The idea that I hear in the letter is that there's the, the main job with all of this stuff is to push away all of these bad things, to push out all of these bad influences and not let them play the video games and not let them read the stuff that doesn't have any female characters and, and not let them see these things and, and somehow keep these genuinely like harmful and horrible aspects of our society away from these kids. Um, and I, obviously there's things that you have to keep away from your kids. There are some things that are so horrible that you don't want your kids to see them. Um, but it, it seems to me that you the the, the what you need to focus on is giving your kids the really valuable stuff, giving your kids what Carvel is talking about, giving your kids the like the information that they need to understand society and how it works, and also giving them stories that are more um, holistic and satisfying and contain more of actual experience and less of uh, you know sensationalized violence and and giving them activities beyond playing the video games and and giving them most importantly giving them a way to think about all of this stuff let them play the video games and also help them understand what the video games are about and what's going on with the video games um, because it seems like if you're using a model of like I don't want my perfect pure children to be contaminated by destructive things from outside um, you wind up inadvertently causing some amount of destruction of your own in trying to prevent them. You wind up sort of walling them off from things in a way that eventually they're going to wind up pushing back on or it's going to to cripple them in some other way. You know, I this I think I think that's a really great distinction to draw the idea that we there's this you could either look at it as I'm adding I'm creating something or I'm stopping something from being created. Right. And right. I think that I think that there's a you, there's a choice 
there is a choice. And what your friend is talking about is is this decision. I mean, I hear men make this argument a lot. And every time I hear it, it strikes me that this is such so arbitrary. Like, for example, if I'm walking down the street and someone next to me is having a slice of pizza that looks really good, there's a part of me that would like to just take their pizza and eat it for myself. And I don't do that. <laughs> and I don't then say, man, I can't believe society is preventing me from stealing this person's pizza. Like, I have an impulse. I have a hunger to take the pizza. That's my natural state, man. And I can't believe society is intervening and preventing me from doing that. I don't look at it that way. I recognize that me not taking that person's pizza is good because I'm in society because I don't want people to take right. my pizza. Yeah. And right. so that's this is an agreed upon thing. This is an agreed upon thing. So so I view because I view the pizza haver and me as part of the same thing. And right now, when people form this argument about that, 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 that men are forced by society to suppress this thing, the main problem is they're not viewing women as part of their thing. They're viewing that I'm a part of a thing and I, I'm, it's my natural state to do this thing. And here's this outsider that's preventing me from doing it just for them. But like the reason why actually we shouldn't be harmful to other people in our society, we shouldn't perpetuate hatred, misogyny, harm, systemic oppression is because that because we are all part of the same thing. That is bad for us. Systemic oppression is bad for all of us who are in the same system. But people don't view it that way. So the so the so the idea that like. I'm being forced to suppress something is a view that comes entirely from a feeling of separation that I'm not a part of the of the oppressed people here. Therefore, that's their thing. And it's just getting in my way. Right. I mean, an- but, another way to, you know, <laughs> an- an- another way to think about this is that, like, yes, of course, men have powerful, destructive, selfish, violent urges because men are humans and humans have powerful, destructive, selfish, violent exactly. urges. Right. And and a, a story of like, oh, men always want to hurt and take and rape and pillage and steal and eat the pizza, whereas women are just these wonderful, nurturing, beautiful forces of pure love that have no desire and no narcissism and no selfishness. Um, that's doing violence to both sides, right? That's that's doing a kind of conceptual violence both to men and to women. Um, and of course, we know that you know, men are rewarded for different behaviors than women are rewarded for, and people's energies and destructive talents and urges are challenged, are channeled into different directions. Um, but to 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 think that it's only men who have destructive impulses that need to be chan- channeled or managed or suppressed um, is, I think, among other things, to take a short-sighted and romanticized view of women. No, I completely agree with you. I think it's sexist in its own its own way. You know, it's not it, it is the found it's the foundation of every patriarchal bullshit um community and system and religion and society ever to sort of say like men are this and women are this and therefore dot dot dot. But I think the trappings I I'll, I'll stand by it. I don't think the trappings are nearly as important as emphasizing kindness and emphasizing positivity around gender stuff and you know, when your 16-year-old kid calls himself a proud feminist, like, just being like, oh, don't being like, oh, my God, that makes you special and different, being like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what you should be. That's that's what everybody should be. Good for you. Not making, you know, not not creating, like, some sort of thing about it. Like, it should be so, you know, I don't know. It just it, it feels to me like we should just normalize the idea of feminism, normalize the idea that we are all mm-hmm. built as partially shitty people and partially nice people and normalize the idea that we don't that neither one of us is more built to steal the slice of pizza than than the other sex. And to me, it's it's the conversation, the angst that adults bring to it. It's not helping. It's just not. It's adding another layer of angst that is, you know, every time you sort of add a layer of angst or suppression or behavior shaping to any community of people, you end up with rebels who end up wanting to do the extreme version of the very behavior that's trying to be suppressed. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm I'm more about talking about accentuating and focusing on the positive aspects of human interaction than, than the potential negative ones. And I just don't think the toys matter all that much. I would like to hear some very concrete and specific one sentence mm-hmm. advice for this particular mom with a three-year-old boy and a seven-year-old boy. What should she do? Mm-hmm. Well, my thing is that she should focus on building the love and consciousness and respect in the kid 
uh, rather than trying to keep out the rest of the world, because I think that that's an overwhelming and impossible task. Uh, and I think that there's, um, I think that, so I think consistently having this conversation, showing, demonstrating through your actions, through the way that you interact with women, the way you talk about women, the way, you know, the way that you help your child process what they're seeing is the, is the thing rather than I'm keeping everything out and keeping everything out. You can keep some things out. You can sort of like try to hold out the guns, try to hold away the first person shooters. You can do that as long as you can. It's helpful. It's not just give up, but you're, I don't think your kid's salvation is going to come from holding everything out of the house. I think it's going to come from the, 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 the conversations that you have with him that allow him to contextualize what he's seeing. Concisely, I'll say I agree. (laughs) (laughs) I do too. I want to stipulate to everything Carvel said. The one thing that I would add is try to hold in your mind that these video games and, and all of the other horrible things that you see your kids doing and looking at, they are intrinsically horrible and yet they're not as destructive to your boys as I think you're afraid that they are that it's possible for you to raise good, decent, humane people who also enjoy playing these games and maybe will continue to play them or maybe will stop playing them at some point. But that your job as a mother is to keep raising the boys the way you want to raise them. And and I don't think that these very specific manifestations of our toxic patriarchal culture are as much of a threat to that as you think they are. All right. Um, thanks for the question. Um, I would say let us know how it goes, but you won't really have an answer until your kids are grown, <laughs> and at, at which point it'll be interesting. If we're still doing this podcast, it'll be grandma and grandpa are fighting. Yeah, it's an interesting conversation, though, and I think that we should encourage like more specific conversations around more specific questions about this. This was very, was very broad and big, but like, how do you handle this situation? How do you handle that situation? Like, I'm game. This is a conversation people are having, and it's one we're having with our kids. We should keep talking about it if there are opportunities to. I agree. Um, send us your highly specific questions about our culture of toxic masculinity <laughs> at uh, 424-255-7833. That number again, 424-255-7833. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Time to move on to our next question. This question is from Bobby against being read by Rachel Withers. I'm emailing you today to ask for some ideas, strategies, advice, thoughts on a grandfather that refuses to give my kids any healthy boundaries. I have three- and five-year-old boys and a little girl on the way. My husband and I are lucky to have two sets of very involved grandparents. His father watches the boys every Tuesday and sometimes for a few hours on the weekend. Since my husband and I work full-time, it would be hard for us to get the boys from daycare to preschool without his help. The problem is he takes the doting grandparent gig to the next level. He buys the kids a new toy every Tuesday, refuses to control their sugar intake or screen time, and even lets my eldest act violently towards him, punching him, kicking him, etc., while refusing to address the behaviour. Both my husband and I have been clear that this violates our basic parenting philosophies, especially the violence, and he is completely unreceptive. My eldest son has started to say things like, Grandpa gives me candy because he loves me. I know that my kids love spending time with him, but my husband and I have started to talk about limiting it. Doing so will create other challenges for our family, but just seems too unhealthy. Is this too drastic a step? Do you have any ideas about how we might persuade him to give them more healthy boundaries? Thanks so much, Bobby. Yeah. (laughs) Grandparents just have a different attitude to stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Their priorities are different. Their perspective is different. And, And in a way, like the fact that grandparents quite often want to let your kids 
do stuff that you don't want to let them do. And I'm not talking just to the letter writer here. I'm mostly talking to me. The fact that grandparents often want to let your kids do stuff that you wouldn't let them do is maybe a sign that you are a little too uptight about what your kids should and shouldn't do. Grandparents have been around the block. Maybe they know that like eating candy actually isn't going to kill your kids. On the other hand, grandparents don't have to live with your kid the other six days of the week (laughs) when the kid is now has their expectations set a lot higher by Tuesdays with grandpa. Uh, So that's the dilemma. What do you think? I think that this is a really hard question to answer, actually, because it's a matter of degrees. And um, I mean, I I agree with your basic premise there, Gabe, that like, yes, grandparents have a different point of view on this. I'll never forget. I was talking to my I I had an adopted aunt uh, like adopted mother basically from ages 8 to 13 she was very hard on me about grades it was it was like the worst thing in my life was how incredibly hard she was on me about grades and and my homework and getting everything right and it's i i appreciate it now at the time it was terrible i was talking to her on the phone um a few months ago and i mentioned Ezra and she said how's he doing I said well you know he's just not doing that good in school he's you know he's not he's really struggling he just doesn't seem to care about the work and she goes Oh, well, he's a creative kid, so just let him do what he wants. And I, I swear to God, I almost threw the phone. <laughs> I almost smashed. I was Fuck yeah! <laughs> like, I could not believe that. Like, I could not believe that. <laughs> you know, but like, that's the thing, right? It's like, she's got this perspective. You know, she maybe feels like she was a little too hard on me at the time. And that with with the advantage of the sort of many years, 70 years of life perspective, 72 years, she now recognizes that like, there's bigger things to worry about than whether or not your kid gets all A's. And, and I didn't like hearing that because I was comparing it to my own experience and I was carrying my own resentment about it. But in reality, I, it was good perspective to hear if I could just remove myself and sort of her ego from the situation. So that having that having been said, yes, grandparents do have a certain perspective that I think can be valuable. What's unclear in this letter is the extent to which it's a problem. There is a situation in which there's too much candy and too much TV and too much punching and hitting green, kicking grandpa. That sentence really st- stuck out to me because if I was like on a really strong, no kid should ever imitate anything close to violence ever, then the kind of like playful punching, kicking that me and my dad used to do, for example, when we were little kids would then strike me as like, my child is punching and kicking and fighting. Like, it's hard to know what that means, right? If the kid is like violently having tantrums and is like literally trying to beat grandpa down like someone would do in the street and the grandpa doesn't say anything about that, that is an issue. That is a violation of boundaries. That is something where you need to intervene. But if grandpa finds it fun to roughhouse with the kid and you don't like the roughhousing because you feel like that's teaching him these practice fighting and that's not cool and but grandpa thinks it's cool, then that's a situation where I would say – I understand it makes you uncomfortable, but part of being a parent is that you have other people involved in your kid's life that aren't you. You're not con- you don't get to control every aspect of your kid's life. And that's for the good. You want to make sure that the people that are in your kid's life are not dangerous, violent, destructive. And um, if you think that's the case, then by all means, you have to you have to actually remove those relationships from your kid's life. But outside of that, your kid will be raised. Other people will have a hand in the raising of your kid. And you make a choice to have those people in your kid's life. And if you do, that means you let them throw in their thing to the mix because your kid is growing up and putting it all together. I do think it's really hard when there's one place where a kid has boundaries and they're different than they are at home. And that comes up when kids say, Grandpa gives me candy because he loves me. And one of the things you could say to that is, you're right, Grandpa does love you. I love you too. (laughs) And at our house, we express our love in a different way. I'm not going to give you candy because if you have too much, then these bad things will happen to your body. I don't want that to happen. So it's great you can have it when you're grandpas, but here we have different roles, and that's the way it is. I think the the five-year-old who says, Grandpa gives me candy because he loves me, he knows what he's doing. Oh, totally. Yeah, he does. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that, he does know what he's doing. And that, that's why I'm like, you. that's that one of those parenting things where you have to recognize that what you are doing is fine. If grandpa's giving them candy and you're not giving them candy, you're still fine. Yeah. You're perfectly allowed to do that. You're perfectly within your rights. And you're your, still kid a good is, parent. your kid is running a number on you. And your kid is running a number your on you. Your kid would so love for grandpa like, rules to apply in your house as well. Yeah, you can't let kids leverage your self-doubt <laughs> to get <laughs> what exactly they want, right. which they will happily do. You've got to be a little bit certain in what you're doing. It's okay that grandpa gives the kid candy. It's okay that you don't. I would say if it's in, if, if it's as sort of low-key as that, like candy and some play fighting and too much TV, 
I'd say that that's not a problem. If you feel like the kids are actually in some kind of emotional or physical danger by being with grandpa, which is, it doesn't sound like that's what you're implying, but I do want to acknowledge that the degrees aren't really clear in the letter, then that's a situation where you say, no, I'm getting my kid out of danger. But if it's just about like whether or not this is the kind of parenting we like or support, I think at this point, you know, the kids are with grandpa a part of their life. Let grandpa be a part of the situation. Your kids will put two and two together in the long run. Yeah, I agree. I think as long as you can get your kids clear on the fact that there are grandpa rules and then there right. are like regular rules, yeah. I, think, <laughs> yeah. I think kids are capable of understanding that. And as long as you make that really clear to them, then I, it doesn't sound like there's anything going on here that's going to really do any damage. If like, if it, if the moving back and forth is creating a sort of mental instability for them where they don't know what's allowed and what isn't allowed, then that's something you have to sort out between you and the kids and grandpa. Uh, but but if you can make that boundary, like there's this environment and that environment and the rules are different on Tuesdays, then that doesn't seem like a big problem to me. I had a wonderful babysitter once when the kids were little, about this age actually, like I want to say five and seven, uh, four and six along those lines. And he had a rule with the boys that they were allowed to swear in his car. And I found out about this when we were driving somewhere (laughs) and they swore in my car. And I was like, what are you doing? And they were like, oh, uh, Zach says we can swear in the car. And I was like, not in my car. And that was the end of it. Like it was like it was like I, I maybe was sterner than that, but like you know he had made this a- agreement with them because it helped him manage whatever situation it was. And I knew he was a really good guy. Like he wasn't like trying to poison my children, but like he had come up with this thing that let them let off steam, made them feel like they were being a little bit bad. In by the way, this enclosed space where no one else could hear them was actually kind of a smart way to manage whatever swearing it was mm-hmm. he was trying to manage. And um, they got it that you know that's a, a Zach thing and not a mom thing. (laughs) They figured it out. And I think that I I agree with Carvel. I mean, if you're talking about he's punching and kicking grandpa, like it's and it's, you know, play fighting and he thinks he's being play fighting. It's not it's not really aggression. That's the one thing you can talk to grandma, grandpa about. You can say, hey, you know, when he comes home, he also thinks it's okay to punch and kick us. So maybe we could just curb that. And if you let the other stuff go, maybe you'll get more of an ear if you're only talking about one thing instead of all the things grandpa is doing wrong. Uh, and the final thing that I'll say, and I don't mean to be grim, is um, like your grand- grandpa really wants to spend time with these kids. Grandpa's not going to be around forever. Um, really just mm. think about that in the big picture, like how lucky mm. you are. To have the kids are so lucky to have this this time and these experiences, and there's a very good chance your son will grow out of the uh, punching and kicking phase. They usually do. They usually do. <laughs> and otherwise, he's going to grow up to be an ultimate fighting champion. So exactly. either way, exactly. <laughs> it's a win-win. And he can thank Grandpa when he wins that giant belt or whatever it is they win. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks for your letter. Time to move on to recommendations. Um, do you have a good recommendation for us, Rebecca? I do. I actually am going to recommend a video from the Washington Post. It's actually was not posted by the Washington Post, but it was shared by them in a little blog post. Um, and this is the Cardinal Sheehan School Choir in Baltimore singing the song Rise Up with their amazing music teacher, Kenyatta Hardison, uh, directing the group. I guess they were doing a rehearsal for a performance and she decided to make a Facebook Live video uh, of this group of kids singing the song. And it is beautiful. And if you do not feel like you cut 12 onions after you finish watching this video of these kids singing their goddamn hearts out you are a monster uh so i really recommend it the washington post uh posted the thing on facebook that went really viral but if you just look up cardinal sheehan that's s-h-e-h-a-n school choir you will find this video and you want to spend a few minutes watching it and let your kids watch it because it is beautiful and these kids are so talented and they deserve your eyeballs nice carvel recommend something Yes, I'm recommending a book that is uh, a fixture in our house. It's uh, called Rad Women A to Z. It's oh, an illustrated book. book. Yeah, it's by uh, Kate Schatz and illustrated by Miriam Kleinstall. And I first heard about Kate Schatz because she actually teaches at my son's school, or she did. I don't know if she's still there, but she was a teacher in the literary arts program at Oakland School for the Arts. And that's how I first heard of her. And then we ended up I don't remember how this book came into our lives. I, I know I bought a copy of it for one of the kids, but I don't remember when. And then Joe, it turns out, had a copy. And it's just always around. And it's like one of those books that we just pick up and we just will look through. And um, it's just been so good in having 
I think for Georgia, it means one set of things. For Ezra, it means another set of things. But uh, I highly recommend the book. It's illustrated. It um, it gives very simple explanations of amazing things that women have done over the past sort of century and a half uh, and um, politics, art, a- aviation, etc. It's a really good book, Rad Women A to Z by Kate Schatz, illustrated by Miriam Kleinstahl. Great book. Great book for the person who wrote the first letter. Uh, give right. her boys a copy of that book. Uh, that'll fix everything. Um, I also want to recommend a book. It's been a long time since I've recommended a picture book. I feel like I, I used to do it every week, and so I tried to dial it back. But um, there's a lot of people out there who don't know how Tom beat Captain Najork and his hired sportsman. And those people uh, are very lucky to get to discover that book. It's by Russell Hoban, who is best known for writing the Francis the Badger series, which obviously everyone knows and loves Francis the Badger. Um, But he wrote a ton of other stuff, most of which is great. Uh, And How Tom Beat Captain Najork and His Hired Sportsman uh, has pictures by Quentin Blake, who you know from illustrating all of Roald Dahl's work, as well as many other things. Um, it's the story of a boy named Tom who lives with a cruel aunt, uh, who encounters uh, a disciplinarian army captain, uh, Captain Najork, who brings along some hired sportsmen, uh, and who the boy Tom triumphs over Captain Najork, uh, and the hired sportsmen at all sorts of amusingly named games, which make for, uh, wonderful illustrations, uh, of the kid climbing all over elaborate, uh, structures of planks and barrels and, and, the games are wacky and amazing, and, and the book is just a, a delightful and charming read. Um, little kids will ask if these are real games, and you can tell them, no, they're not. Um, but older kids will get the sort of wacky Rube Goldberg aspect of it. Um, check it out. There's a sequel, too, and it's almost as good. The book is How Tom Beat Captain Najork and His Hired Sportsman. Is there a better title than that all of, in all of children's literature? I don't think <laughs> there so. There is not. There is not. And that's our show. If you have a question uh, that you would like to submit to us for discussion, uh, you could call it in at 424-255-7833. That way we get your voice on the show. Or you could email it to us at momanddad at slate.com. And that way it can be read by uh, Rachel Withers in her delightful Australian accent. Uh, you can tell us what you thought of the show on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash fighting. Uh, this show is produced by Benjamin Frisch for Carvel Wallace and Rebecca Lavoy. I'm Gabriel Roth, and we'll be back next week. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.